Welcome to episode 29 of How About Them Huskies. I'm Connor, joined with Matt, Andrew, and Matt. And today we're going to recap the St. John's game this past weekend and do a little quick preview of the game tomorrow today when you're seeing this against DePaul. So first off with that St. John's game, UConn went into MSG store south, as they call it, 195 to 86. The offense was phenomenal. They had four guys in double figures and three others with at least eight points. It was a complete team effort. I've said that a lot this season, a lot of team efforts for UConn. Jordan Hawkins led the way with 20. Sonogo had 18. And Jackson, who entered the game, uh, game-time decision because he had flu-like symptoms or an illness, and he had a, tied his career high with 15 points in 38 minutes. And the bench was huge, too. You have guys like Joey, 15 points. That ties his UConn high. Aline, eight points, finally reached that 1,000-point club, which we all were counting down every episode. And Klingon, nine points, six boards, five blocks off the bench. So, like I said, complete team effort in this one over St. John's and what was pretty much a home game at Madison Square Garden with all the Huskies fans. And I think the thing that pops out when you look at this game is that we scored 95 points, which is a lot of points in the Big East, especially against a team like St. John's. You don't really see that too often. And you're thinking, where do we get all those points from? A lot of production from a lot of guys. And we're going into March here, and we had, what's this, one, two, three, four guys in 15-plus. Um, Everyone who played scored. You had Cal Quintero with 15. You had Aline with eight. It's just a bunch of guys who don't even regularly play. And we got, what, one, two games left in the season, and they're putting up big numbers. So, yeah, it was definitely, definitely um, good to see that. Well, you know, these games where we score over 90, you know, the defense wasn't great. We gave up 86. I think we scored like 90-something against DePaul and gave up a lot. So, you know, in these games, our defense isn't great. But I don't know if you guys follow my uh, funny, we'll call it, Twitter feed, but I posted the corporate needs you to, like, see the difference between these images. And it was Jordan Hawkins and the lottery pick. He had another 20 bomb. He is becoming a lottery pick. Like, he is proving to the entire world, all the NBA GMs, that he's going to be a lottery pick. And that's honestly cool to see because we all know what happened with James Book tonight. You know, a two-year talent who was picked 11 by the Hornets, and, you know, he just hasn't really gotten what we thought he was going to be in the NBA. And I really hope that Hawkins can blossom into a really good player. I think he absolutely can. But really in the beginning of the season, he was looked at as a second-round pick. And after – Another 20 bomb. I think that he's got being a lottery pick in the bag for sure. Yeah, and it's starting to become a bit of a trend here. Uh, I've noticed, you know, we're starting to put up a lot of points uh, in bunches. Um, it all started back against Butler, honestly. Um, 86 points we put up. We put up 82 on Xavier, 90 on DePaul. Uh, we only got 68 on Georgetown, but that was a W. And then 87 on Marquette. Uh, two games later, 87 on Providence, 95 on St. John's. And this offense is clicking at the right time. Um, you know, we've had consistent production throughout the season uh, from guys like Hawkins, from guys like Sonogo. But we were really uh, concerned about when these bench points were going to start coming in. And they're starting to come in. And I, I really want to give credit to two people, uh, Danny Hurley uh, and Andre Jackson, uh, for figuring this thing out because – uh, on that losing streak, it, it was almost as if he was unplayable at a po- at points where he was coming in and they they, uh, they isolated him perfectly. Um, they took him out of the game and it was essentially a four on five on offense because they would leave him open at three and just collapse him in the paint. 
And then we would have no idea what to do. Um, since uh, we've kind of solved that issue, uh, we've been putting beatings on everybody. Uh, and I feel like the way we're playing Andre Jackson uh, is, is a big part of that. He's put up his career high twice now in the past two or three weeks. Uh, he's been all over the place. He's moving the ball. He's guarding the best, their best offensive player. Uh, everything he's doing is kind of uh, pushing this team to the next level, uh, per se. Everything that he's doing, we're, we're beating, you know, ranked teams now. We beat Marquette. Uh, we beat St. John's. We lost to last time. We beat Providence. Uh, we lost to Xavier by three points in a game that, honestly, some believe we should have won. Uh, I feel like a lot of that is in part to uh, his game transcending into that next level, uh, per se. And, uh, you know, everybody else staying consistent, guys like Hawkins, guys like Sonogo and such. Yeah, and the offensive firepower on this team is top tier in terms of, like, the entire country. There's so many guys on this team who could give you 10-plus off our bench. And then it seems like almost every one of our starters could give you 20 plus besides Andre Jackson. But if he's able to give you anything over 10 a game and with the rest of the guys out there, the offense is really good. And with the offense, you know, it's been great. And sometimes you worry about the defense, but we've won a lot more games than we've lost this year. The offense has just been pretty spectacular. And sometimes they kind of fell off a cliff at one point, but uh, they're just really get rolling again, really getting momentum again. Things are clicking. And I said this last game, too, um, with Nahim Aline, uh, when he's putting up points, uh, they're sort of like bonus points. It's not in any kind of condescending way. It's just you don't uh, normally get production from these guys. Uh, so when you do, uh, that's just a fantastic boost uh, to the team. You know, when you got guys who uh, Jackson's averaging around six and Aline, I assume, around five or six. And, you know, when they're putting up 10, 15 points, uh, I mean, who's going to stop you? You got to got to start committing on those guys. It opens up space for guys like Joey, uh, who had a great game uh, against uh, St. John's. And I think we're going to see more of that coming up as, you know, it seemed like Hurley uh, had a little bit in mind for him. He had him out there early. He had him out out there getting shots up early. So uh, I'm excited to see what he, uh, he does going forward. Yeah, we're talking about all this offensive consistency. I noticed a trend with Jordan Hawkins. It's the definition of consistent. In our past four wins, he scored exactly 20 points every single time, which is kind of quirky, kind of crazy, whatever you want to look at it. But also, back to the offense, there's this saying everyone knows, defense wins championships, and it does. It definitely helps to have a good defense. But if your offense isn't there, like you look at our last loss at Creighton a couple of weeks ago, we allowed a very solid offensive team in the Blue Jays to 56 points in their own building and still lost. So if you don't have that offense, you're not going to win many games. Like we have low scoring losses, like at Seton Hall, we only put up 66, which is below our average. And at Xavier, we put up 73, which is right around the average at Providence 61. So I feel like 80 points is that threshold that we should be okay. We don't believe we've lost a game this year, scoring 80 pretty close to that home game versus Xavier. But yeah, offense, if it's clicking, look out, because we saw it at MSG this weekend. It is really impressive. And also, we've been pretty lucky, I'd say, with injuries this year. Not too many major ones, obviously, at the beginning. Against, like, Delaware State, we didn't have a couple guys or whatever. But Hassan Diara missed this game with what is called an abdominal strain, according to the reporters. And I just saw he is a game-time decision versus DePaul. But the thing is, I'm not saying that he would bring the team down. He obviously doesn't. He's a great player, great defender. But 
in, in place of his 10, 12 minutes, we got more from Joey, more from Aline, and we got the offense from them. So I feel like if we had a guy like Diara play against St. John's, I feel like the, the Johnnies, they'd score maybe six or seven less points because of Diara's defense. But losing some minutes from Joey or Aline would take away six or seven points from us. So it'd pretty much be the same the same score, just a little less for each team. So I feel like he wasn't missed as much as people are saying he was, but he's definitely a key piece down the stretch. And different guys give you different things. Um, Obviously, Joey is not the defender that Hassan DR is. Um, Aline isn't the defender that Hassan DR is. But there's some games, if both of those guys have it going, um, you might want to play them just because of the offensive boost they'll give you instead of Diara. Um, it's definitely interesting how you manage those bench guards. Uh, but I think Hassan definitely has earned his role on this team. And this game last weekend was also the first time some of our guys have played at MSG Newton, Calcaterra. And I think Joey California, you can call this a hot take. I don't think it is. He can, he's going to have some huge moments, huge shots in the Big East tournament. He's built for the big stage. There's going to be a lot of Huskies fans in attendance. I feel like he's due to have maybe replicate the performance he had against St. John's. He just he has that swag to him, a guy that could just knock down a transition three. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's putting up 10 points per game, honestly, if he gets the run. Well, we got hot at the right time. I mean, I'll use the, the Dave Borges quote, how November, December, we ended that slate 15-1 and one with that one loss being to Xavier. And then January, we went 3-5. and five. February, we went five and one so really really we're getting hot at the right time I mean we're we could finish the season seven and one maybe six and two of Villanova really comes to play on Saturday but we've we've really gotten hot at the right time uh especially winning a game like that in MSG you know I'll be in the building I can't wait I know Connor will too I don't know about Sark and Matt but I I can't wait and I have to agree that Joey's gonna have some big big moments because he seems like a guy who who's who comes up big in big games. So I really, I can't wait for this Big East tournament. Yeah. And I mean, people forget, you know, these are college kids and we hold them to a very, very high standard. Uh, these things happen. Uh, teams go through slumps, teams go through hardship. Um, our first guest, you know, the first time we had a guest, Tyler Polly was talking about it. it. It wasn't really more of an if, more of like a when, um, you know, some things would tend to go south, uh, start to go south. Uh, and it was all about how they reacted to it. Um, what makes good teams is uh, how you get back up. You know, everybody gets knocked down. Uh, how you get back up is really what people judge you for. People don't judge you for the downfall. People judge you for the rise back up. And this team uh, is showing us uh, thing, things that we haven't seen from a UConn team, I feel like, in a very long time. Because, you know, we were uh, on the bottom for a little bit. After 2016, things just kind of took a turn for the worse and then uh we've been working our way back ever since hired Hurley moved back to the Big East we've been ranked the past few seasons but I don't think we had that that mid-season crunch yet where the standards were so high and uh we were letting people down um it was bound to happen at some point and I, I think this is it and I think this is the momentum building run that UConn winners tend to have winning UConn teams tend to have uh, if you look back, uh, 2011 was a similar situation where we started hot uh, and then fell off. We weren't ranked in that that preseason poll. Uh, came, we came out hot and then kind of fell off. We went through a midseason slump and then we 
uh, went all the way through March uh, undefeated. Uh, what was it, 13 games in a row we won? We won? Um, th- th- this team gives me flashes of that uh, just simply because they haven't quit. Uh, they've shown that passion and they've shown that energy all the way through the losing streaks. And now, now that we're winning, it's coming out even more because it's like they've worked so hard for this. Uh, Hurley has coached the hell out of these guys. And um, they seem prepared. Uh, one of my biggest things with UConn teams in the past, and one of my biggest knocks on Hurley was that they never seemed prepared uh, going into big games. You know, we had that one win against Nova last year, and then we came out in March and lost to them in the Big East tournament, and then we lost in the first round. Uh, similar thing happened the year before. We lose in the first round of the tournament. We don't win the Big East. It's 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 been a trend, but it seems as if now these guys are being built up differently to where they're going to win games. Um, we're not going to lose to a 13 seed, a 12 seed. We're, we're not going to lose to those kinds of teams. So I'm really excited to see uh, how we get rolling and just how strong we come out in the first round. Yeah, Matt. And as you were speaking, I was just thinking of something very similar. When you think of 2011, that's a team that in some degrees underperformed in the regular season and just clicked and locked in at the right time, peaked at the right time and went into March and did something special. When you think about 2014, that's a team that went through a lot of adversity with the post with the postseason ban the year before and who also didn't really have the best regular season, didn't win their conference championship. And I'm just getting very similar vibes to this team, a team with a lot of stars, a lot of standout guys, a couple guys who are going to be pro ball players. And um, they went through their adversity and they're really peaking at the right time and coming together. So I'm not saying that they're going to go out and win the national championship. I'd never say that. But all I'm saying about this is it's starting to feel like kind of a special group of guys they got. Yeah, with the 2011 team, there truly are a lot of comparisons you can make. Like I have their game log up here now. They did not lose to a single non-conference opponent all year, start in the preseason or in the um, NCAA tournament. And if we win it all, we'd be the same. They struggled in conference play. They were 9-9 nine and nine in Big East play, which we wouldn't be that low this year. But we also struggled in conference play in a very, very talented Big East in 2011. And obviously they have a guy like Kemba. I'm not saying Jordan Hawkins is at that level, but he's a guy that can take over a game scoring in the similar way and put up similar numbers. I just feel like there's a lot of comparisons to this team. Obviously, I mean, it's just, it's evident to me. It's, it's a little weird actually how, how they we're so similar, but we move on here and I want to make one more point and then we'll, we'll officially go to the DePaul preview. We started the season, as we all know, 14-0 on a 14-game win streak. And we are currently, as of right now, on a three-game win streak, two more games in the regular season. And then if you win the Big East tournament, that's three. Win it all, that's six. So if we were to win the Big East tournament and the NCAA tournament, which is a lot of ifs, a lot of what what would happen, we would start and end the season on a 14-game win streak, also assuming we win against DePaul and Villanova, which isn't a given. But just... Just imagine that starting and ending your season with 14 game win streaks. I mean, that's obviously there's teams that go undefeated, but like that's that's something that'd be very, very surprising to me and something I definitely didn't see from this group going into the season in October. But that's all hypothetical. And if it happens, awesome, but it most likely will not. And now we'll move on to the fall preview. It should be a pretty quick 
pretty quick preview. Not much to say. DePaul has their three. They've only won a few games in conference play. I mean, they haven't won on the road in conference play. Last time, I think Andrew mentioned, we scored a lot, but also allowed a lot. 90 to 76 final. That was the game Jordan Hawkins, Adonis, Finalgo, Tristan Newton combined for like 70 points as a group. And there wasn't too much from the rest, which you've seen. But that's back when Andre Jackson wasn't who he is. That's when Nahim Aleen was who wasn't who he is now. And Calcaterra barely played in that one. He will play more this time around at Excel Center, last home game of the year. I feel like UConn will definitely win this one and it'll be comfortable. Yeah, this is our last home game. Obviously, Providence was the last one at Gamble, but this is the last one at Excel. And Danny Hurley's calling for everybody to be there. You know, it is DePaul. I mean, their story this year, somehow they beat Xavier and lost to Georgetown. They beat a number two seed and lost to Georgetown, who's at the very bottom. Don't ask me why, but, you know, they, they've they had a weird season. Um, they don't really have any star players. So this, with the UConn atmosphere, I feel like this will be pretty easy. But, I mean, clearly last time we thought it was going to be easy, and they put up, I think, over 80 points, right? Maybe 75, somewhere in that area. 76. 76, yeah. So they put up a lot of points, but they, they were competitive with us all night. So we really – we can't take games like this lightly. And honestly, if we have to pummel them, pummel them. I mean, we need to we need to get as many wins as possible going into this tournament, and we can't really take any games for, for granted. But I do think the Huskies will have this one pretty, pretty easily. You know, prior to popular belief, uh, this is not our last home game. Um, I don't think they should treat it like it is because, you know, we, we got a whole tournament at Store South coming up, which, you know, we also got to treat like, you know, uh, a lot of people are coming out, coming to root for us because that's how it's going to be. Um, they, they, they shouldn't make any emotional attachment to this game, you know, being the last home game and whatnot. I don't think they will. I have a feeling that uh, Hurley is telling them very similar things. We're going to see a lot of UConn fans at Gamble or at MSG, uh, especially depending on who we play. Um, you know, obviously, if we get a team from farther south, uh, farther west, we're, we're going to be packing the building. And I mean, UConn fans make it a point to get to MSG. Uh, everyone wants to see them play there. So uh, I got a feeling that Hurley is kind of just like, you know, this is any other game for us. Uh, don't. Don't get emotionally attached just because it's the last home game, which I know some teams tend to do. But yeah, I have a feeling we come out and we, we make uh, pretty easy work of this one. Yeah, last episode we talked about scenarios who we might play. It's looking like more and more likely that we'll be playing Creighton in that first game, a team that we beat this year. We also lost to them in a close one. There's still a chance it could be Providence or Xavier, but that's very slim because well, the props at Xavier they play tomorrow today when you're watching this. So a loser of that, there's a chance we could play the winner, all but guarantees the two seed. But it'll be very interesting, especially if we play Creighton, like you said, a team from further west, Big East and Omaha, Nebraska. I mean, there's not going to be too many Creighton fans there, I'd imagine, especially compared to the UConn fans who at MSG I was there. On Saturday, I would say it was 70-30, and that's, that may be generous for St. John's fans to say it was 30% them. There was a lot of Huskies. And I saw, I don't know if this is true, it was a rumor on Twitter, I saw that next year's game will be at Carnesca Arena on campus for St. John's, which I don't know, that doesn't make too much sense from a revenue standpoint for them as they sold like 12,000 tickets or something like that. 
when the other uh, on-campus arena holds like 5,000. But I guess if you want your your fans in the stands, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. But I, I don't think that's true. I just saw it on Twitter. I don't know if there's facts behind it, but I, I, I'd be shocked if that was the case. Those St. John's fans are so pissed that it was 70-30 because, I mean, UConn fans own the building. I could hear the UCONN chant through my, my phone as I was driving to Bradley Airport in Harvard, you know? It's, it's really cool to see that UConn fans pack an arena like that. And honestly, the St. John's fans deserve to be mad because their fans just didn't show out. But having it at the, the on-campus one would be so stupid because, like Connor mentioned, like, sure, you can have more St. John's fans there. But, I mean, we're clearly the better team. Like, that – that loss that we had at XL doesn't define either of those teams. I mean, somebody had a good day and somebody had a bad day. But if there's a seven-game series, I mean, I'm taking UConn with the 4-0 sweep personally. But, how, like, it with the revenue thing, it just – it wouldn't make sense because they would – I feel like they would lose money because I don't even know if St. John's could fill up that arena, but that's a whole whole different discussion. But that would that'd just be stupid and not worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, at MSG, I was at both the Providence St. John's game and the UConn St. John's game. The Providence one was sold out in a sense that they didn't open the upper deck. It was just the lower bowl that was open. UConn is pretty close to sold out, and they had the upper deck open. So really, it'd be a really bad decision for them if they were to do so. And also, part of it, you said they're pissed off. It's because they're not having a great year. They started they started like 11, not 11-0, and 10-1, I'm pretty sure, non-conference play, and they they're like, eighth ninth and big east so not not too many good things going on in queens but this is the depaul preview part of the podcast we're going to get back to that real quick and one of you guys mentioned they beat xavier that was on uh, january 18th that was their last win they've lost one two three four like 11 12 in a row so this would be a brutal loss if uconn loses i don't think they will and i think we'll just jump right ahead to players to watch and that'll pretty much be it. Like I said, not too much to say. And I will go with Alex Caravan for my player to watch for DePaul. I mean, he didn't have a great game last time we played the blue demons. He also didn't have a great game against St. John's. He didn't play too much because of the resurgence, the resurgence of guys like Joey and Aline, but I'd say Caravan is my player to watch. I think he'll hit a couple of threes. He's kind of been slumping on that recently, but I, I think Caravan definitely have a huge bounce back. Yeah, and give me Andre Jackson. He's been playing the best basketball of his season, arguably, the last couple games, and I just really want to see him continue that trend. I'm going to do an unpopular thing here. I'm going to take the same person as Sark. I'm going to go with Andre Jackson, too, Uh, mainly just because, for me, it looks like he's turning that corner uh, from a guy that, you know, uh, didn't produce much on the stat sheet, was more of an off-the-stat-sheet player, more of a hustle guy. To me, he's kind of turning that corner to where he's starting to become a, a definite force uh, on the court. It seems like uh, they really know what they're doing now. Him and Hurley seem to have made a game plan uh, to work everything out. I think he breaks his career high. That's my bold take for this one. I think Andre Jackson is his first 20-point game in a UConn uh, jersey. Give me Joey Cali. I mean, he's back on track. You know, sat against Seton Hall and then had his, had his, uh, his senior night you know, a little thing, hit a corner three in garbage time when we absolutely roll Providence. I'm just going to remind everybody of that. Um, 